Hello, and welcome to The Exit, presented by Flippa, the number one platform to buy and sell online businesses. Flippa manages over a billion in deal value annually and combines expert buy and sell side advisory with its market-leading valuation tool, deal room, off-market offering, market insights, and AI-based deal-by-deal matching engine. Now for The Exit. The Exit is a 30-minute podcast featuring awesome entrepreneurs who have been there and they have done it. The Exit talks to operators who have bought and sold businesses of all different sizes. You learn how they did it, why they did it, and get exposure to the world of Exits. It's a world occupied by a small few, but accessible to many. On this episode of The Exit, I sit down with Steffi Baker. She's the co-founder and financial educator at High Net Worth Women Institute. So this is a really unique episode. I like to sit on, you know, both sides of the equation when it comes to entrepreneurs and investors in many episodes. But this one is special because Steffi has a great experience with family offices, wealth management, and operating business. So we sit down and we kind of dispel some of the misconceptions that are holding women back from business. And we really dig into some of the strategies that women can deploy in business. And this is one of these empowerment shows that I really want to get out there to more women entrepreneurs and just let them know that resources are available. Communities are available out there to help you grow your business and really get to that exit. And this is a fun conversation because it's so wide ranging, given that Steffi has a background as a competitive figure skater. She's an author and a writer, and she's just helping women really hold on to and build wealth over time, preparing for exits, building business, and all these things are all intertwined. And we talked briefly about the importance of having a bedrock underneath you when it comes to, you know, building a business outside of your comfort zone. When you come back home, you need to be able to actually have a foundation for your finances and everything like that. So this is a special episode between financial education and building a business, family offices, just a ton of really great information. So without further ado, let's sit down here on the exit and talk to Steffi Baker. All right. I am here with Steffi Baker, the co-founder and financial educator at the High Net Worth Women Institute. How's it going, Steffi? Hi, everyone. It's great. Great to be here with you, Steve. Yeah. So before we kind of unpack a little bit of the things that you're you're working on, let's talk about your background. What got you started in business? Oh, well, you know, I grew up thinking I was going to be a journalist and a writer. And I made a pivot in the 90s when I discovered that journalism really wasn't for me, surprisingly. And that was around the time of the rise of the high-tech industry and computers and all that good stuff. So I got into being a technical writer. And then I worked my way up the ladder. By the time I left uh, Silicon Valley, I was running channel partner programs for the big systems integrators for the big million-dollar-plus servers globally. And it was so much fun. And then 9-11 happened. Uh, And I skated in the opening ceremony of the Olympics right after all of that collapsed. Um, I'm a figure skater. I'm still skating. And then I got up and moved to London to do my MBA with the severance money I got from Sun Microsystems. And it was there. I got 
accidentally into the family office space and been in it 15 years now. Nice, nice. And for everybody listening, you know, one of the goals of our conversation is to really sort of go through some of the strategy, strategies that, that women could employ um, with the financial instruments out there. And we've talked a lot about this on, on the podcast in the past, but I'm really excited to get your perspective on this. And with the High Net Worth Women Institute, I know you have a really unique perspective, mm-hmm. but can you tell us a little bit about like some of the, the principles and the strategies that you guys do to, to support women entrepreneurs and you know their financial goals? Sure. So in observing what works and what doesn't in the family office space, and in particular, what was working and not working for women, I would go to family office conferences and meet women who were speaking or attending who really seemed to have it all together. They were, they were wealthy. They were happy. They, they had it all, seemed to have it all going on. And my observation as I considered it was they've got four things. And that's why we created the four pillars of female wealth. Now, they apply to men as well. Uh, but the, the peer group, especially women, like to, to do a lot together. Men tend to be more willing to just st- strike out on their own. But the four pillars is what we developed to help women. So there is identity. That's all about you. And that, this is past mindset. I know a lot of people talk mindset, but to me, that's only part of the picture. That's down the, the mouth of the river. Whereas the identity, where it's really coming from, is the headwaters. And all of this stuff that you're bringing to dealing with your money and dealing with your life needs to be dealt with. You can learn the mechanics of investing. That's not hard. But your number one enemy and in, in, in success in investing is you, your brain, your thoughts, your beliefs. If they aren't lined up, you're going to have trouble getting the money, keeping the money, being happy, all of that stuff. So that's the pillar number one, identity. Pillar number two, peer group. It's very important, especially for women, to have other people who in similar circumstances who can relate to you, especially as you start to grow wealth. You don't need that icy silence or the, well, that must be nice for you. When you talk about things that you are considering doing or buying, et cetera, et cetera, I'm not saying get rid of your friends. I'm saying make sure you have some people that you can say anything in front of. Number three, the advisor team. The advisor team will make you or break you. The the best advisors for you are who you need to seek out. And you can be a wealth team member. If you don't want to quarterback all of this yourself, that's fine. Be a wealth team member. Or you can be the CEO of your wealth team. But you need to participate. Be Sitting back and being passive, you're, you're, you're gambling really. And then finally, the fourth pillar is financial education. And this is critical. And this is the biggest missing piece and why Hannah and I founded this company was we're looking for information that beyond the basics of budgeting or or simple stock investing and all of that, that's so readily available. What happens when you hit that affluent level, when you hit that um, accredited level? It, the, the angel of investing doesn't come down suddenly and and tell you, oh, these are all the wonderful things open to you. Uh, I ran a pilot group two years ago when I first started this, and out of 15 women, only two were fully aware of all of the asset classes available. So mm-hmm. it, you've got to have that, got to, and it's really hard to find at, at a level where you know, where someone's not selling you something on the back of it. 
So those are the four pillars and that's how we do it. Nice. Nice. I think having it simplified down into four pillars is, is pretty key. And education, I've learned, and just from having conversations on the podcast, specifically around you know the, the different instruments that are out there. So kind of unpacking some of this, what types of you know, instruments are, are out there, particularly that women's women could go after. And if they're an entrepreneur and they're growing their wealth, what type of options are there currently? Well, there are nine different asset classes and I divide them into public and private markets, which is an unusual way to do it. But that's my family office background is that that's how I see it because that's how they see it. And honestly, where the big money is created is in those private markets. So the good news these days is the private markets are opening up more to the average investor. You don't have to be super, super wealthy to get in. So what I'm talking about is like private equity, private debt, um, alternatives, And there are some things available. You don't even have to necessarily be accredited sometimes, but even at that accredited level, for example, I'm in a venture capital fund called Sweater out of Boulder, Colorado. And normally venture is just an asset class that you can't touch unless you're super wealthy. That's exposing me to some risk. And also it's a fund. I don't have to sit and figure out who might be the winner or who might be the unicorn, because that's a big job for one person to do. It's it's kind of impossible, actually. So funds like that one, there are real estate funds, there are a number. I'm, I'm compiling a list to be able to share uh, on LinkedIn and with a, a really comprehensive list with our, our clients. There are so many things to do these days. You could do wine, whiskey. Those are fun and can be very lucrative. Uh, you could do silver, gold, and, and silver tends to be even more accessible financially than gold. It's much lower price and it's much more used. So that can be an interesting one if gold is is too too much for you to understand. But so many things now open that can really create the real wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just understanding all the different types of asset classes is pretty mm-hmm. pretty key. So specifically when we're talking about, you know, exits and yes. wealth preservation, you know, what types of things could we highlight there in mm-hmm. terms of like, you know, if they're aspiring to build a successful business, yeah. Uh, what what types of principles or do they just all apply when someone's, you know, considering exiting a, a company? Well, the first thing the first mistake I think women make in particular is not having any exit plan. Mm. Oh, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. And when you can't see, you know, like if you're driving from New York to LA, you're not thinking necessarily about LA when you leave New York, but I'm saying, think about LA when you leave New York, think Mm -hmm. about what you want to do. Think about what could this look like? What, what could I do? Because now is the time to get the advice. For example, that your corporation structure matters quite a bit, particularly if you're in some states like in California. You want to get tax advice and legal advice together to make sure they're not conflicting so you can properly plan for exit. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. C-Corps have have a lot of advantages. You may not start as a C-Corp, but then you need to know the rules of if you started as an LLC or an S-Corp, 
when can you move? You could save a boatload in taxes, from what I understand. And I'm not an expert on the taxes, but through a C-Corp. So you want to get a plan, think about it early, and then work the business towards that goal, shifting as you need to. And then as far as investing goes, you know, you can you can do a combination of passive and more active. The ETFs are easy. You know, and in particular, there's a great ETF, I think it's Hypatia Capital, that, that has an, an ETF that invests nothing but, and, and companies nothing but led by women. So there's all these wonderful things you can do. That That's easy to do. Get in the habit. Don't sit there and think, oh, I'll invest or I'll do this later when I have more money. No, start the habit now. And I don't care if it's $50 a month. It's a habit you get into. And that's an identity you take on is I am an investor. I don't care if it's a dollar. As long as you put it in, I am an investor. And that's a good identity to start with. Mm-hmm. And with tools, like specific tools, mm-hmm. you mentioned an ETF there, but for, for business in, in particular, how have you seen entrepreneurs and business builders and people that are developing wealth, what types of tools have you seen like that you recommend or that you think that people have really mm. um, started using more, like a trend that you've seen kind of picking up mm. in the, the financial space? Um, what kind of tools do you mean exactly? Like if it's a, you know, bookkeeping piece of software, if wow. it's obviously you have your investments, like you mentioned a couple passive ones, but as a business, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you could be holding treasury bills or something like that. You could be right. like working on your, your balance sheet and making sure that you have a strong balance sheet. But I guess for tips for people, um, this is with a trends. good question. Yeah. Now I, I understand a little bit better now. So, there are tools that can give you, and I'll, I'll address personal and I'll address business, but there are tools that can give you a complete picture. In fact, we just developed a, a, a downloadable list of 12 different wealth calculators. Some you've probably heard of and some you haven't, That and, and it's free, and I'll give the URL at the end so people can go get it if they'd like to. But keep looking and also there are comprehensive one of number 12 on the list is a a, a url that will take you to a number of comprehensive wealth tracker sheets do that figure out your net worth and keep and it may not be huge that's okay but keep a comprehensive list because when you're working with advisors they may have one piece of the picture you want to know your whole picture and it's really very easy to do and there's various things. I think half a dozen at least different options on that on that URL to download. And they're cool. They're different. You can get a, a pie chart. You can get a graph, whatever you like. But mm-hmm. So those are having some kind of a comprehensive view on your wealth always. So you've got an ongoing pulse and you're not just waiting for your advisor to tell you. That would be a personal trend. On the business side, whoa, I'm trying to think of what do we use we are constantly watching cash flow. We are constantly watching, you know, what's what's coming. Um, as, as co-founder and, and and CEO, so to speak, my business partner Hannah is more the COO operations. I'm always looking out on the horizon of what's going on. What are the new trends? What do what do people want to learn about? And the tools that we use, why? 
because Hannah really does that more than mm-hmm. I do as the COO. I think it's more common to to have a CFO, like a, a fractional CFO, and we're getting close to that, who would be able to track. You want to keep tabs on your numbers. And I'm sorry, the, the, the names of specific systems are not my strength, but there are so many systems that you could choose from to make sure you you know your numbers, even as a, and I went to business school and I, I've struggled with numbers all my life. And I struggled with the numbers through business school. I took accounting three times <laughs> before I, I took the exam and I passed it, but it was so worth it because when you have tabs on your numbers, you know the business and there aren't surprises coming. So whatever tools you can use, do that. Keep top, keep on top of your numbers. And I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer for that side of it. No, it's fine. It's fine for for everybody listening. In terms of you know equity management on the business side, mm-hmm. I would say Carta is is the number one. Carta is a good way of keeping track of your cap table, fundraising, things like that. Mm-hmm. In terms of net worth, you can kind of plug that in to whichever tools. Like I like the spreadsheet mm-hmm. one that you, you mentioned. There's a lot of really a lot of them out there. We'll get back to the interview in a second. I want to talk first about First Access from Flippa, where you get deals first, 21 days before the rest, actually. There are more buyers and investors than ever looking to acquire online businesses. And with First Access from Flippa, you can gain a competitive edge and beat out the competition. And Flippa is giving you, my dear Exit Podcast listeners, a 30-day free subscription to First Access. So did you know that 67% of businesses go under offer within the first 21 days of listing on Flippa? Yeah, that is true. Things move fast on Flippa. This is where first access comes in. As a buyer or investor, you can get deals 21 days before the rest when you're subscribed to first access. So what do you get? With first access, you'll receive online business listings 21 days before the rest, You get instant NDA access, letting you view everything confidential on Flippa. And this is a key one to save time. Third, you can earn premium buyer status, giving you preferential treatment. And this is such a main, main value proposition because as a seller, you're going to only want to talk to premium buyers. That is just a fact. And in my experience, people with these private listings, which is the next value, is they're going to be the ones that are primarily only talking to buyers that have premium buyer status. And the last, most certainly not least, is view exclusive private listings that are only available to premium buyers. So this is the cream of the crop here. So jump the queue today. Claim your 30-day first access subscription at flippa.com slash exit. Once again, that's flippa.com slash exit. Now, back to the interview. But ultimately, what I found and one of the reasons that I was really compelled to talk about this was as an entrepreneur, sometimes if you're if you're not kind of established at home, if, if you're not established from a financial infrastructure on your on your own time, on your own personal life, usually the business can can struggle because either you're overly overly reliant on it. And some people would probably disagree with me on it that are like ride or die entrepreneurs. But as you get older, you realize that in order to actually succeed, you have to have a constant sort of bedrock on your own 
on your own finances before you can even succeed at growing and scaling a business. So I, I like what you said about having having the pillars and having some of these ways of measuring net worth. In terms of like the family office landscape, yeah. you know, what types of, of things are you guys doing? Because it's something like 3% of venture capital is, is women right mm-hmm. now, like they, they yeah. get funding. So one of the things that I've been trying to do on the podcast is talk about ideas on how we could shrink that gap, get more access to, to more women in, in, uh, in entrepreneurship through capital. But what types of things in family offices that, that you learned mm. and from your network have you seen that have been really effective ways, like you have your pillars and education and stuff like that, but what types of ideas do you think around like getting more women funded? I guess is, sure. is my question. Well, and that's a great question. And I love everything you just said that that really paraphrased it nicely. Family offices, here's what I would say to this, my greatest insight. Family offices are a great potential source of capital and women could be approaching them a lot more. The tricky thing is, is they're, they're hidden. They're kind of behind a veil and you don't know how to appro- find them, approach mm-hmm. them, talk to the, you know, interact with them and, they're on, but th- those are the first problems. It's, you know, you can buy lists of family offices. They're out there. Um, that's a good start. If you can get to a couple of conferences, Google will only take you so far, frankly. If you decide you want to delve into that, you know, um, try the list, so maybe go to programs. If you can get into some kind of a an incubator or an accelerator program, sometimes they've got ties do the research of looking to see where where the family offices are investing. You can find it. It's out there. It, it's just going to take some time. And then when you do approach them, here's my advice. Keep it short, sweet, to the point. Ask if, you know, and LinkedIn's fine if you have to. You know, we, we all have to start somewhere. Not everyone has a killer list. It, it, I, it, and I can speak as an investor. What works for me is if someone says, hi, Steffi, you know, I'm so-and-so. I have this company that does this. This is the problem we solve. Um, I'm looking for to raise X amount. Is this a sector you would invest in? And if yes, please let me know how you'd like to proceed. Don't send them your pitch deck. Don't ask for a meeting. You need to zig when everyone else is zagging. Don't sound like everyone else and do what they they all do. Don't push at them. No one wants to see your pitch deck unless they ask. And, and they don't have time unless they ask for it. Let them ask. So those are my my insider tips to when you find them, that's a way to approach them. They haven't got time to read a long thing. They haven't got time to look at your pitch deck. And then also what I do is add, you know, would you let me know how you'd like to proceed? You know, at some point I would put in there and PS a little about me. You know, I would say I'm Steffi, I'm from Milwaukee. I love the Milwaukee Bucks and any Wisconsin sports teams and I figure skate competitively. And I love to rescue animals. Tell them a little something about yourself as a human being. It's really good to study. Um, it's Shark Tank in the U.S. and Dragon's Den in the U.K. They ask the same questions all the time. I'm always blown away at the founders that can't answer. It's it's simple. But look and see how they're connecting humanly. 
and and get ideas from that. So you're making a personal connection because tell you what, they hear a thousand times a year, we're going to solve this. We're going to change the world. Our thing is unique. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Who are you? They're investing in you ultimately. So give them a, a, a little flavor and and I would not chase them a whole lot. Um, you get to look like a stalker, and it's weird. Uh, <laughs> there's something to be said for persistence, but I once uh, chaired a panel and asked the, the family office executive panel, so what, what worked and what didn't? How do you like to be approached? And one woman piped up with, stalking is bad. Um, she had. Uh, uh, she was in New York. She had someone jump out from a pillar. As she was going into her office. Hi, and shove the. Yeah, I'm not. This is true story. Shove his packet in her hand, and I've been trying to reach you, and you haven't been responding. And and I'd really like you to read this because I think you might like to invest. And she, especially as a woman, she's looking around trying to, I got to get away from this guy. It, it, it didn't come over well. He didn't help his case. Yeah. So before you do something extreme, you know, creative is good, but be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful. Be careful. Well, I was just at Silicon Slopes, for example, at the Delta Center. This is a big event that uh, the nonprofit Silicon Slopes puts on every year. And Ed Bastian, the CEO of Delta, came to speak. Amazingly, they're in the middle of a lot of kerfluffle because of the changes they made to their frequent flyer program. And they were taking questions from the audience, which wasn't expected. And one guy just stood up and yelled, I have a question. He, and they took the question. So in that, that was bold. It worked. It, it may or may not work for a female, but if you want to try it, hey, give it a whirl. But that was a safe place to try something. It was edgy. It worked. Just be careful. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, back to the family offices could be a terrific source for you. you just have to do mm -hmm. the research and if anyone is in the research and really has any questions i'll give my email address at the end and i'll be happy to try to give you a steer got it and the last question before the finale is mm -hmm. what are some misconceptions like what um, what are the what are the myths that you can help dispel or something that you know we could address that people think are hurdles um mm -hmm. i think that that's really a uh, a hold, a hold for a lot of people. Like it's a barrier that I think would be fun to to talk about some of the mm -hmm. some of the misconceptions and challenges for women. Okay, so on the personal investing side and on the founder side, yeah, both. Yeah. All right. So on the investor side, number one, women lack confidence. When I was researching how to go about this, I read that women lack confidence. That's a symptom. That's not the real problem. If I didn't know how to play basketball, how much confidence would I have walking out on a court? Not a lot. And mm -hmm. maybe I could learn to do one thing. Maybe I could learn how to make a free throw. But if I didn't know how the rest of the game worked, I wouldn't be very good at it. And I sure wouldn't look good or look forward to playing. So it's not confidence. The underlying problem is the education, number one, and then the, the lack of opportunity to to practice and to get mattered without risking a lot of money. Those are the two issues. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But that's what I see. The bigger problem is, is knowing what you're doing 
And you've got to, you've just got to jump in and start learning and get curious and make it fun, have fun with it. That's what we try to do. So that's mm-hmm. probably the, 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 the number one myth over there. It's no, you don't lack confidence. You, you lack the practical, the practical knowledge that would give you the confidence. So there's that. On the other side, in the, in business, you know, as, as a founder myself, we aren't, fundraising yet but i see this all the time because i'm a mentor to to um, founders raising funds through a program locally and what i see is that for women you just learn learn a bit about how your message may come across where it's worth studying where do women fall where are women misunderstood and adjust for that somewhat, but you've got to stand up and be you. And mm-hmm. I've been remembering one founder in particular who started out with her first pitch, well, I'm not a businesswoman. And I said, you are now. Don't ever say that again. You are now. And three sessions later, she was standing confident, knocking it out of the park. I would say, no, misconceptions, you're not going to get funded. <laughs> Do you want to be that statistic? The statistics suck. We all know that. But do you want to be that statistic? Do you want it to apply to you? I don't like to do. I don't want to be a statistic. Go and do what you want to do, assuming you're going to be successful. Someone's going to listen to you. You're going to find the right people. Don't listen too much. We know the statistics. Don't listen to that too much. So that would be my number one piece of advice on that side. The misconceptions of, well, this is going to be hard. Don't make it hard. Get out there and assume. Mm-hmm. Well so, said. Yeah. Well said. Well, that takes us to the finale. Knowing what you know yeah. now, yeah. what would you tell Steffi 10 years ago? <laughs> oh, boy. I've been on a kick trying to figure this one out. <laughs> Worry less about what people, other people think and say. Get investing. Get investing. Get investing. Any amount. Anything. Start. Get a plan and act. And be very careful who you take advice from. Mm. Needs to needs to resonate, and you know you. There's there's people who are frenemies that don't necessarily have your best interests at heart. But yeah, be careful who you keep in your inner circle. Those would mm. be my three. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Be careful who you take advice from. I like it. So that's all the questions that I have for mm-hmm. you. Where can people learn more about what you're working on? Sure. So they can visit if they'd like to download um, the spreadsheet that I talked about earlier. You can go to www.highnetworthwomen, all one word, dot com slash toolkit. Well, sorry, wealth toolkit. Then you can just download that. It's free. It's our gift. Please use it. If you would like to email me with any questions, Steffi, S-T-E-F-F-I at highnetworthwomen.com. I will do my best to answer you. And I've, I'm, I'm encouraging of everyone listening to this. You can do it. You go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, wherever you guys are listening on iTunes or Spotify, the links that Steffi mentioned will be in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom. So Steve, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. 